We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm once again joined by our, by our resident NFC North expert. You can find her on Twitter at Carmi V. She, of course, is Carmen Vital, the NFC North expert also for Fox Sports, but more importantly for the Pack-A-Day podcast. Carmen, how the heck are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Something's going around, but, uh, you know, just trying to keep up with everything happening and deal with, you know, seasonal allergies and, and sickness and stuff like that. It's real fun. Yeah, it is that time of year. Temperature changes seem to always lead to this sort of stuff, but uh, temperature changes don't always lead to a 0-4 week in the NFC North, to a weird, <laughs> weird, weird week in Chicago, to a trade of running backs uh, or a running back to Minnesota, I should say. We'll cover all of that, but let's start with the 0-4 week. I brought you in as the NFC North expert and immediately the NFC North goes 0-4. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Is this uh, my fault? Is this uh, my fault? (laughs) Might be. But Packers lose to the Falcons. Vikings lose to the Eagles on Thursday night football. Bears lose to the Buccaneers. Lions lose to the Seahawks. It looked for a second, for a second. The Vikings had already lost. The Packers were up two two scores uh, against Atlanta. The Bears were losing. The Lions were down double digits in the fourth quarter. It looked like for a second, the Packers were going to be kings of the NFC North, but unfortunately, all four teams eventually lose. Let's, I'll let you start anywhere. The floor is yours. Your thoughts on the week that was in the NFC North. Yeah, I was at I was in Detroit, actually, at the Seahawks-Lions game. That was the game that I was covering this uh, past weekend. And I will say, you still saw a lot of good things out of the Lions and the fact that they were down so much with eight minutes to go. You know, they're down uh, multiple scores in the fourth quarter and they come back and they force overtime. And you just think that, you know, a team that comes from behind and gets gets to overtime is going to eventually win that game. But then, of course, we saw... 
the coin toss goes in the Seahawks' favor. They go down the field, they score. Uh, defense was totally gassed, very injured. Uh, the lines did not come out of that unscathed either to add insult to injury, literally. Um, so that's going to be very interesting monitoring them going forward and how much that's going to affect them. But the fact that they were able to rally was a good sign. Um, I think that the Packers came a little bit down to earth just because of the fact that we re- you realize that this is still a young team and they're still going to have to figure some stuff out. Obviously, surrendering that 12-point lead in the fourth quarter um, just isn't something that you want to see, out, especially out of a defense that has as much talent as the Packers does. And I feel like maybe their run defense woes aren't totally solved. Um, but again, some really encouraging stuff from Jordan Love. As soon as he starts completing more of these passes, I mean, it's going to be his stats are already getting up there. Uh, best passer rating in the league still um and his t- his touchdown ratio i th- believe is the best in the league as well and i just think that he's just as soon as he completes more of these passes that those stats are going to get even more padded um and then the vikings i i don't it's just you don't see very often a team that went 13 and 4 and now go 0 and 2 potentially 0 and 3 um but i still think that there is hope for them and there's hope for them in this division which is not something I can say about the Bears at this point. <laughs> There's yeah. so much, so much that is wrong with that team um, on and off the field. And I just, I I didn't have, honestly, I thought that the Bucks were going to win that game, and they did, um, even though the Bears ended up having a chance. Uh, but then Justin Fields throws that pick six after the third straight inside screen at their own goal line, which totally made sense. Um, that we haven't gotten any clarity on since anyway. So that's a long winded way of saying that. Yeah. I mean, things went badly, but I think the only like irredeemable game was probably the bears and bucks. There's so much to go over there. All right. Let's start with Detroit who not like you said, they lose the game. I also, if from a, you know, just a Detroit standpoint was, you know, sort of buoyed by the fact that they did come back. They, they put up 10 quick points to get it into overtime. They end up not winning, but Again, I said a week ago, there's not many Detroit teams in my lifetime that go into Kansas City and win that game. There's not many Detroit teams in my lifetime that are down 10 with like eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter and get that game to overtime. So still, I think a disappointing loss for them, but they're still going to be a really tough out through the remainder of the season. I think the the bigger thing for them is they lose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, James Houston in the process. Like those are going to be some pretty big injuries for them, specifically CG, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who, um, you know, obviously the, one of their big acquisitions in a defensive backfield that needed a couple big acquisitions. And uh, he already was kind of inserting himself as a leader in that defensive backfield. So that's going to be a tough loss for them. Yeah, it was really interesting because we talked to CJ in the locker room right afterwards and he seemed fine. He was talking, you know, about the future and and the weeks going forward as if he was going to be a part of it. Um, inside the building, everyone was also shocked. Uh, no, a lot of the coaches, even defensive coaches, did not see that coming. And the fact that his injury was that severe and that he was going to be out for an extended period of time. So that all kind of came as a shock to pretty much everybody. Um, because again, like I said, he was in good spirits in the locker room. And uh, James Houston, I mean, this pass rush is not what it needs to be, what it should be, what it was at the tail end of last season. The interesting part of the Detroit pass rush is that Aiden Hutchinson has the most pressures of any player in the league right now. He's just not getting home. So that's just not going to fly with this defense. It puts a lot more pressure on the back end of it, which now is riddled with injuries with CJ. And I mean, Kirby Joseph got banged up in that game and you just don't have the depth there that you perhaps want now that there are so many injuries. So 
that's definitely something to monitor in in Detroit at this point and it is a really kind of deflating from what they could have been or should have been even in that game against the Seahawks. Yeah. And then from a, a Jordan Love standpoint in Green Bay, I think you bring up a great point. I think just that level of consistency is, I think, the last thing to put together because we've seen the high highs. We've seen the, you know, consistency he's played with from like a command of the offense and going through his reads and progressions, you know, but there are points I pointed to the second quarter against Chicago where things were very disjointed on offense. We saw it a little bit at the beginning of this game uh, against Atlanta. And then certainly in the fourth quarter where they couldn't get anything going, that's not just on Jordan love. That's everything all encompassing from a young group of playmakers to an offensive line. That's right now a little bit in flux, but that even going back to training camp specifically is something that we saw out of Jordan in this offense where there would be moments and times where they would be in rhythm and it would look really, really good. And there'd be other times where it just looked disjointed. And I think we've seen that through two games where if there isn't that rhythm, things look a little bit off. And I think it's just putting together a full four quarter game that Green Bay is going to have to learn to do, because if they don't, they learned exactly what can happen when you let a team stick around in Atlanta. It was able to come back and, and come from 12 points down to really kind of steal a victory from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, it was it was impressive that I mean the Packers were even in that position going into the fourth quarter, given the fact that you do have multiple offensive linemen out and you don't have Aaron Jones and you're trying to make things happen with you don't even have Christian Watson. So you're trying to make things happen with younger receivers. And it's just it's hard to have that rhythm when you didn't have all the guys that you were practicing with this offseason and, and into the preseason either. So the fact that the Packers were able to be as efficient as they were. The fact that Jordan Love was able to be as efficient as he was. That's one of those periods, though, that you really need to be able to lean on your defense and your defense needs to be able to pick you up. And there just really aren't a lot of excuses for that Green Bay defense to not continue to come up with stops into the fourth quarter, put together four quarters of good play because of the fact that you don't have as many injuries on that side of the ball and you have so much talent and you, it, you shouldn't have your like essentially rookie, your first year starting quarterback who's in his third start ever having to pick you up. That's just not how this is supposed to work yet. The, the Packers were very intentional with how they set up Jordan Love and that should include a defense that he can lean on in times like this where you are a little bit out of rhythm. You do have injuries along the line and you do have injuries to your skill players. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Move the Sticks podcast, they always talk about is the quarterback a truck or a trailer, meaning that if you're a truck, you can carry the team behind you. If you're a trailer, the rest of the team kind of has to pull you. This was supposed to be sort of set up as a season where Jordan Love didn't have to be the truck. He could have been the guy that everything else around him kind of has to go well. You're sort of evaluating Jordan. You didn't necessarily need or or really want him to have to be the guy that was kind of carrying the rest of the team but it kind of felt like at times he had to be the guy that was carrying the team. And you were wondering, was he going to be able to carry them through on that final, you know, fourth quarter drive to get them to a victory? He had an amazing throw on fourth down that just unfortunately fell incomplete and they had the penalty on the play anyway. And it ends up being a, a turnover on downs, but a lot of things to like from Jordan in this game and through the first two weeks. But as we talked about, it's now going to have to be a four quarter performance from everyone involved, not just Jordan, but if not, they're going to have, I think, more of those tough one. I think this is going to be a competitive team all year long. I don't think there's going to be much so doubt about that, but I think they are going to be in a lot of these one score games on one side or the other. And it's going to be those exact attention to details that are going to define if they are on the more on the winning end of those, or like we saw this past Sunday on the losing end of those. I thought overall, like the, the least to take away was kind of from the Vikings game. Yes, they lose, yeah. but that was a really tough ask on a Thursday night turnaround, following a tough loss, going yeah. into Philadelphia against one of the best teams in football. They hung around. They did a decent job, but I don't, I don't 
you know, fault them too much for, for falling in that game. I think the vast majority of the teams in the same situation probably would have gone into Philadelphia and lost in that game. But then, as you mentioned, the Chicago Bears, uh, the the consecutive screen passes that it was almost worse that it was a three point game in Justin Fields' hands to have the opportunity to go down and tie or take the lead to have what happened next have you know, happened where he throws the pick on the again they throw back to back to back I think uh, inside screens and yes. two plays I think in a row that were the exact same play yes. and of course it kind of ends as you would expect it to pick six game over Baker Mayfield and the Bucks two and zero just like we all expected going into the year. Um, but now you have this really bizarre week where I think Justin, I don't think he, he certainly wasn't misquoted. You know, he yeah. said it, you know, clear and obvious as day that like, Hey, coaching is maybe one of the reasons he's overthinking things. I don't think he maybe thought through the entire connotation of what he was saying and how that was going to be perceived. I think he's probably saying there's a lot of voices and a lot of things that are, you know, he's trying to parse down in the, the, you know, trying to go through a play and make sure that it's right. And it's just probably a little bit of paralysis by analysis, but that whole thing gets taken and going on in a whole direction where he speaks again to the media, then Ryan Pace speaks to the media. That's all a whole, like, and that's like one of the things you have the defensive coordinator resigned with a myriad of bizarre stuff that's potentially surrounding that, that I don't even know if we want to get into because it's part hearsay, part whatever. Um, And maybe part two, we just don't know. And then you've got, you know, they release Nate Peterman, they pick him back up the next day. Also, probably the least of their concerns of this is just been a very odd week in Chicago. Oh, and by the way, their left tackle is on IR. So there's a while. It was just, and we don't know, uh, Matt Eberflus would not rule out Braxton Jones' injury being season-ending. Uh, we heard that Ryan Poles was speaking about Braxton Jones today, and it didn't seem like it was going to be that it was going to be season-ending, but there's no clarity on that. The Nathan Peterman thing was just kind of the cherry on top. Oh, by the way, it was Ryan Poles' birthday yesterday, um, or on, on, on Wednesday. But the Nathan Peterman thing was they we're trying to bring in another offensive lineman to the 53 man roster and elevate so off, off of somebody else's practice squad. That didn't work out. So they, that's why they initially vacated the spot with Nathan Peterman. They had every intention of just putting him on the practice squad, but then that fell through. And so that <laughs> Nate Peterman goes back on to the 53 man roster. That's apparently what happened, uh, which, which does happen, but I mean, everything yeah. is just happening. So it's, it's not swinging the bears way in any way, shape or form. I, I have a lot of thoughts just about Justin Fields kind of coming out and saying what he did and not being misquoted, but then, you know, talking to the media about how he knows it's our job to get clicks and this and that and the other. And I'm just like, that's not what was happening there. Not like we, we, there was one tweet that said one word. Um, but other than that, I feel like everything else was very representative of what you were saying. And if you mis- misspoke, say that, say, that's not what I meant. I want to further clarify. This is what I did mean. That's totally fine to me, but yep. please don't say, don't come at the Chicago media, the, the wonderful people that work on that beat and say that they are purposely trying to divide you as a team. That's not a thing that they're trying to do. They're just trying to get to the bottom of what is going wrong in Chicago because so many things are going wrong. The play calling isn't good. The quarterback play is not good. And clearly there is a disconnect between how Justin Fields wants to play and who he is as a player and the system that he is currently in. I understand that there's the paralysis by analysis thing, but at the same time, this is his third year in the NFL. You are not allowed to say that in your second year in this system, we talked so much this offseason about how he was going to have continuity finally, and he was going to be entering into a system that he was familiar with for once in his pro career. And so you don't really get to say, I'm too, I have too much information to process. 
that's part of being a quarterback in the NFL. You have to be able to process information in real time and make decisions based on what you're seeing. And we're not seeing that out of Justin. And I think it's, he doesn't trust. I don't think he trusts the play calling. I don't think he trusts his protection. I don't think he trusts pretty much anything around him. Um, So it's going to be very interesting them going into Kansas city and him saying that he's going to kind of revert back to who he is as a player and who he was last year. Unfortunately, that was left something to be desired as from an evaluation standpoint for the bears, which I think is why, you saw them trying to make him into this rhythm passer in this rhythm passing offense um, because that's what Getsy knows. That's what Getsy runs. Um, Luke Getsy obviously comes from the Packers and he was the quarterback's coach for a guy that maybe didn't need a whole lot of coaching or didn't want it, whichever one. Um, and now that's all he knows. And so there, that, that inexperience is showing this is his first time calling plays and, and molding an offense into hit what he wants particularly. So it's just, it's so discombobulated um, and it doesn't seem fixable uh, from any aspect of this. So going into Kansas City is going to be very interesting. I think that Steve Spagn- Spagnolo is an excellent defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we all heard Justin say that he's probably going to play a little bit more of that backyard football that makes, you know, he's so athletic. That's what makes him so good. And I just think that if we heard it, that means Spags and the Kansas City Chiefs heard it too. <laughs> Hello friends, as many of you know, a few years back the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using Prize Picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, 
It's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, this is going to be such a huge, and I know it's going into Kansas City, so I think we pretty much know how this one's probably going to end. But uh, it does feel like there's almost a little bit more pressure on Justin Fields. Like, it just feels like, as you mentioned, your job as a quarterback is to process information in, in milliseconds of time and yeah. distribute the it's ball. Not to easy, your makers. Yeah, it's like that's it's the job description. Now, I do think Chicago's done a terrible job of kind of utilizing some of the things that he really does well and best and putting him in positions to succeed. Obviously the talent around him specifically more from a blocking standpoint hasn't been great by any means. So there's a lot that's going on around Justin too, but like if, if you can't win as a pocket passer and now you're going to go out and play maybe a little bit more playground style football and just swing it and let it go. Like, a okay, and maybe things do go better. Maybe that does just suit you a little bit better. But there is a ceiling to what you can do with that as a player. Like you might be a pain in the butt to some teams in the regular season, but once you know, you know, once teams start really scheming you, especially if, if I, I say this half jokingly, but if you ever get to a playoff sort of situation, teams know how to shut that down pretty easily. And we've seen that I think through the course of a lot of mobile quarterbacks' careers, where you can only do so much, and you at some point you have to beat teams with your arm as a quarterback. So. Yeah, I, it's it's a mess in Chicago. And one of the things that um, I always look at at draft time, not pre-draft, but as soon as the draft is done, is really going through and getting excited about the teams that were put in a situation where they can succeed and the scheme matches the player. And it just seems like a seamless fit. And Justin Fields in Chicago, and I'm not saying necessarily post-draft, but right now in Chicago, the matchup of the scheme and the player doesn't seem to be the right matchup right now. And that's disappointing, obviously, from an NFL standpoint. Um, and I know a lot of – we've talked a little bit about the Bears so far this week on the show with a couple of different people. And I know some people are like, well, this is a Packers podcast. But, like, this is a Bears team that holds their own first-round pick and a Bears team that holds the Panthers' first-round pick in a draft that has some extremely explosive players at the top of next draft, including Caleb Williams, including Marvis, Marvin Harrison Jr., and among, uh, many others. And if they have picks one and three, two and four, two and three, whatever it may be, like maybe one and two, like that is going to be a massive earth shattering moment for the NFC North. And they could completely reload. They could be a new coach. They're like, we don't know what's going to happen next in Chicago. So a lot of chaos right now, but that chaos is going to affect the NFC North in a major way going forward. Good, bad or ugly. Yeah, it's going to be, I feel like the Bears are entering into a crossroads of either they're going to stick with Getze and, and his system and the system because Ryan Poles did put together a team that has the personnel to run Getze's system yeah. other than the quarterback. Um, that 11, The Bears have been in 11 personnel, 78.4% so far this season through two games. That's the fourth highest rate in the NFL, uh, which I don't think anybody is surprised with knowing where Getsy comes from. And he comes from that Shanahan McVay tree that relies so heavily on that personnel grouping. And you've seen that reflected in the personnel that Ryan Poles has built this team with. When you have, you look at the receivers, you look at DJ Moore, who's a fast, quick kind of all over the place, number one, that can come out of any alignment. He's not necessarily that big, strong outside dude that's going to get you 
you know, those 50-50 balls down the field. But then you also have Chase Claypool, you have Darnell Mooney, and you have a running back by committee where that's not really the focal point of this offense. That is not the kind of offense that Justin Fields is built for. So now you have to figure out, are you going to stick with Justin or are you going to stick with Luke Getze? Um, and that's kind of where the Bears have to figure out moving forward how this is going to go. And it's not going to go well if you keep things status quo, which is if you choose Luke Getze, uh, Justin Fields is not going to be able to, I, I feel, for like fully assimilate into this offense and execute it the way it needs to be executed. At the same time, bringing someone else in other than Luke that probably doesn't work at this point of the season either. So they are just between a rock and a hard place in every way imaginable. Um, And you have to kind of try to figure out some sort of balance right now, but it just, it's so frustrating for bears fans to see this over and over again, and then see the Packers excel at this succession plan where they are able to bring in these generational quarterbacks. I'm not saying Jordan loves there yet, but they are able to usher in a quarterback and they know exactly how to do it, exactly what to do, what to equip him with, how he's going to, you know, assimilate into that offense and how he's going to fit in. That is something that the Packers do very well. And it's not something the bears have ever been able to do. And it might have to do with the inexperience of the offensive coordinator, having a defensive head coach. That's not necessarily the recipe to develop a young quarterback. When you see in green Bay, you have an experienced play caller and Matt LaFleur, you have a guy that, you know, has is entering into a situation where he has a run game to lean on. Like we talked about the defense that he should be able to lean on a really good offensive line. Those are not things that Justin Fields has in Chicago. And you are seeing the stark contrast between how these two teams are approaching, trying to develop a young quarterback. Yeah, that's a really great point. And Carmen has a great article over uh, about that exact thing um, on Fox sports as well. So definitely check that out. One thing I'll say is, I would have bet yesterday going into yesterday that there was almost no chance that Luke Getze makes it through the season because like you said, there's one of two ways, right? You either have to move on from Getze or you have to move on from Justin Fields. And right now the coaching staff is going to start hearing of like, all right, they're going to have to start over completely in Chicago. Like that that's going to start gaining traction. It's already there. And yeah. like you're then you start getting desperate. Well, here's the thing at quarterback, you've got Nathan Peterman and Tyson Bajan. They're not going to like, that's not going to get you anywhere at this point to make the switch to either of those guys. So you like by default, you have to stick with Justin and then it becomes an offensive coordinator issue. The issue being your defensive coordinator just resigned yesterday, making it like, do you, you are, you're already going out to a different defensive coordinator. Now, are you really going to go to a different offensive coordinator as well? Like that's a lot of turmoil to go with as well. And if your coach can't choose the right offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator's already resigned, like then the coach looks that much weaker as well, because he can't choose that. Like it, right. you talk about rock in a hard place. They are in a nightmare of a place organizationally. And I even I have a really good friend who's a Chicago Bears fan, and you know he, he talks about this all the time. Of like, th- they also like constantly they're they're never aligned with GM, coach, and quarterback. It's always right. like the coach is working or the GM's working with a previous coach or the quarterback that got brought in from the last regime. So it's like, all right, so you move on from Fields and you move on from Eberflus. Now does Ryan Pace stay and get to choose his next quarterback and then bring on a different coach? And then like, it's just this constant wheel of motion. It's like freaking Game of Thrones. It 
there isn't a clear or maybe even right answer at this point. I mean, everything Mm -hmm. that happened, the circumstances surrounding the defensive court, Alan Williams' departure have just been bizarre to say the least. Um, I'm not going to speculate on the rumors that are out there because this isn't something that you can be wrong about. And quite frankly, I, I hope that the sourcing that I have that tells me what the real story is, is wrong. Um, But that's one of those things where this is now Ryan Poles came out today and said it, we are going through adversity there. There's no other way to, to say it essentially. And yeah, I mean, depending on how that situation ends up unfolding with the defensive coordinator, I think can also have a huge implication on whether or not the bears move on from Matt Eberflus, because again, you, yes, like you just said, the offensive coordinator does not fit with this quarterback. Even if you get rid of the quarterback, though, be- the fact that you didn't see that or you couldn't make that work and then for completely different reasons, your defensive coordinator didn't work out either, that implicates Matt Eberflus, unfortunately. And so not that you ever want to call for someone's job or you want them to lose it so quickly. Yeah. You know, this is only his second year. But I have to think that how that situation ends up playing out with Alan Williams. And if there's any new information that ends up coming out or what, if we get any clarity as to what these circumstances were, that is going to directly impact Matty Eberflus, maybe even Ryan Poles. Um, and that has nothing to do with what is happening with Justin Fields and Luke Getze and this coaching staff on the field. Um, so it's just, there's, there's so many levels of dysfunction right now in Chicago. And I do feel for Bears fans in, in tremendously because no one, I didn't think the season was going to go well. No one could have predicted um, just how poorly and how quickly this would go off the rails. I mean, we're in week three here. Yeah. Did I say Ryan Pace earlier? If I did, I meant you did, but that's okay. I mean, it's easy, like Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to Ryan Poles and Matty. Ryan and Matt. Just if, 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 if you're in doubt, just say Ryan and Matt. <laughs> I know, right? I, uh, I, I would say it won't happen again, but it probably will happen again because <laughs> Ryan Pace is just ultimately stuck in my head for some reason. But uh, either way, really quick thoughts on the Cam Akers trade uh, pivoting to Minnesota really quick. They obviously... I don't think they've gotten exactly what they expected out of Alexander Madison so far was really probably really solid in that number two role to Delvin cook in previous years gets to be the guy this year. I don't think it's gone a hundred percent according to plan. They pick up cam acres kind of a, a late pick for, for him, but thoughts on that fit in Minnesota. Well, I mean, they didn't have Dalvin Cook on an island by himself either. Dalvin Cook had Alexander Madison. So I don't think it was fair to expect Alexander Madison to shoulder the load entirely without having an equivalent of himself to back him up. So I do think that this was a good move and this will just help them be more, a little bit more productive from get more productivity out of that position. I should say they don't need to have a triple digit rushing game every single game. That's not how this offense is built. We were just talking about, I mean, Kevin O'Connell is also part of the Shanahan McVay tree. His offense relies heavily on that 11 personnel grouping as well. So they don't need a ton of production, but they do need a lot from the run game as far as being able to set up other concepts within their offense. So I like Cam Akers coming in. Kevin O'Connell is also very familiar with him from his time with the Rams and they overlapped there. So it makes a lot of sense. He knows exactly what he's getting in Cam. Now you just hope that Cam Akers can stay healthy. I think that's the big question mark, obviously, uh, coming in. But he's not coming in to be the guy. And I think that you saw that reflected in Wes Phillips' statements, uh, talking about how they have not 
lost any faith in Alexander Madison. It's just about a matter of getting him and setting him up in the same situation that Dalvin Cook was last year, which having a true number two guy that he can rely on and split carries with and, and just kind of go back and forth with. Yeah, we've seen Minnesota not be afraid to pull the trigger on those sort of trades the past couple of years, getting TJ Hawkinson from Detroit last year. Now they get Cam Akers from the Rams this year. They see something they think they can help their team. They're going to go get them. And in this case, they go out and get Cam Akers. And we will see how that helps them moving forward or if it helps them. I really like the slate of games this week in the NFC North for a variety of different reasons. Bears Chiefs on paper obviously is ugly, but with what's happened in Chicago this week in the Justin Fields comments, it almost feels like a must watch. Even if it's a train wreck, it almost feels like I just am really interested to see how this game goes. Even if we already like spoiler alert, like it's like watching the Titanic movie, you know how it's going to end, but you kind of want to watch anyway. Apparently, apparently Justin Fields had the best practice that they've seen him have yesterday. Uh, he was really fired up all ga- all practice, and it seems like he now really has a fire lit under him, and he has something to prove. So, I'm not gonna go against the NFL script. Like, who knows, man? Like, that's this true. is who knows. But that's why that's like it's 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 a lot more fun. Like, if there was no Bears drama this week, and it was just a normal Bears week, Bears Chiefs is an awful matchup. But it it feels more fun now. It feels more interesting. Um, Vikings Chargers is one of like my like these. There's always this matchup in Week Three every year where you get two teams that had playoff aspirations that are both sitting at 0-2, and we know the NFL is crazy enough that it's not exactly an elimination game, but it almost feels like an elimination game in week three. So both of those teams are going to be super desperate. You have the added on, you know, West Coast team going to a noon game. That's not exactly East Coast, but you're still going, you know, into Minnesota from um, uh, obviously from L.A. And then you also got the Vikings having extra rest from playing the Thursday night game. So that's a really intriguing one. You got Lions, Falcons, Lions come off the tough loss. Falcons just beat the Packers. So like you have kind of this preview almost of like the Lions play the Packers on Thursday night football next week. How do they fare against the Falcons that just beat the Packers? And then you've got Packers Saints, a matchup of uh, another NFC South, NFC North matchup where um, I think this one could go either way. And you got the 2-0 Saints against a Packers team who probably should be 2-0. I, I really like this slate of games overall. Yeah, I do too. I'm going up to Minnesota actually for this Chargers game. And as much as it feel it could feel like an elimination game. I don't think that Minnesota is under as much pressure at all as as the Chargers are. I mean, we all saw the Brandon Staley press conference uh, from a few days ago, and clearly there is a lot of fl- frustration in Los Angeles, and there has been. I mean, this has been building now over the course of a couple of seasons, especially because you have such a dynamic quarterback in Justin Herbert that you don't feel like you're getting enough out of them out of him. On paper, that roster should be winning. They should be a juggernaut, and they're just not. Um, and I feel like if they end up going into Minnesota and losing that game, I might sneak into the Brandon Snaley press conference rather than Kevin O'Connell's just because I feel like that uh, there could be some some real stuff that goes down. Uh, I think that the chargers are under an extreme amount of pressure there, but yeah, I mean, I, this, I don't know what to make about the saints. I didn't know what to make about of the saints prior to this season. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in Derek Carr. I didn't necessarily think that that was a needle moving move. Um, I, I, you know, he, he is who he is. And I just think that Aaron Jones being back for the Packers is going to make a huge difference. And that's that's going to be the difference maker um, and, and to help the Packers kind of get their confidence back and Jordan Love to get his confidence back uh, going down to New Orleans. So I just I, that's it's such a weird game. And it's just going to depend on which which of these guys are health, which of these teams are healthier, honestly. Um, and then, you know, the Falcons and, and taking on the Lions, it's just going to be. The Lions need to they need a win right now with all the injuries that they have. And it just I like I really think that that could come 
against uh, the Falcons, but at the same time, Bijan Robinson has been everything and more that the Falcons want him to be, and he makes that offense so incredibly dynamic, even with uh, a, quite a big question mark under center with Desmond Ritter. So I just the if the Lions can generate, figure out a way to generate a pass rush and turn those Aiden Hutchinson pressures into sacks, um, I think the Lions are going to have a much better chance of that. But yeah, we're uh, we're going to see the the Bears. I'm not putting anything past them. I mean, it's been a very emotional week for them, and we've seen teams rise to that occasion and just come and shock the world. Um, but we've also seen teams uh, continue to crumble. And, no, yeah. I, I agree, obviously, with everything. And I think, you know, from a Bears-Chiefs standpoint, like the Chiefs lost their first game at Arrowhead, them going 0-2 to start the season at Arrowhead. Yeah. Like, that just seems like it's probably not. But like you said, the NFL scriptwriters, you never quite know. I'm still going Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears, and my power rankings one through four for the NFC North. You still feeling yep. the same way? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, even though the Lions, like every every single team lost, and I don't think that you really lost any faith in anyone, but maybe the Chicago Bears, if that faith hadn't already been lost. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going Lions, Packers, uh, Vikings, Bears. As we far are, as my NFC North power rankings. So we are in lockstep once again. Carmen, you are absolutely amazing. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work and where we can follow you on social media. Sure. Uh, FoxSports.com is where all of my written pieces show up. Um, I Anything that I'm doing, whether it's on podcast appearances or my articles or just my general thoughts and meanderings, uh, end up on my Twitter or my ex uh, at Carmi V, which I think is in the bottom of the screen right now. That is me on Twitter, X slash Instagram as well. Uh, so follow me there. Make sure to check out all of her work. She does an amazing job covering the NFC North. Of course, you can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. If you have not yet checked out the Packaday Podcast YouTube subscriptions, definitely make sure to do so. I will be right back here tomorrow with Mike Wall, so make sure not to miss that. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.